Welcome to The Lowdown, KMXT's new daily show dedicated to giving you the up-to-date information we have available on the COVID-19 outbreak and how it's impacting life on Kodiak Island. The Lowdown will focus on the facts as provided to us by local and state officials. During the show, we give you access to local officials and experts on COVID-19 and community actions related to it. If you have questions for our guests, please email them to lowdown at kmxt.org or call KMXT at 486-3181. You can find a list of upcoming guests on our Facebook page or on our website, kmxt.org. Audio from each day's program will be posted on the website. Good morning. Welcome to another edition of the Lowdown Friday Morning. Uh, we'll again begin with announcements as normal. The um, emergency proclamation was declared by the Kodiak Local Emergency Services Group under the guidance of the ESC. They can now issue rules and regulations on matters reasonably related to public safety. There are no known COVID-19 cases here in Kodiak at this time. The emergency declaration is another method for the community to be prepared against the virus. The ESC and the ESD support the governor's health mandates, which can be found at alaska.gov slash dph. You can look for it online. It's a long string. The Alaska Marine Highway System is required to immediately report any illness or persons aboard vessels to the Coast Guard and Centers for Disease Control. As a result, there's new boarding processes to avoid disruptions in service. Travelers will be observed for symptoms of COVID-19 before boarding. All travelers will be observed. During the ticketing and boarding process, if a traveler exhibits symptoms consistent with COVID-19 or other flu-like illness, they will not be allowed to board and will receive a full refund. AMSHS is allowing customers to cancel any existing reservations without fees or penalties now through April the 8th. From the governor's office, the all patients, providers, hospitals, and surgical centers are required to postpone or cancel all non-urgent or elective procedures for three months to decrease the overall impact on the Alaska healthcare structure and preserve personal protective equipment. This will include pre-selected, pre-scheduled surgeries deemed non-essential. The mandate does not apply to surgical cases coming through an emergency room or for existing hospitalized patients. And finally, for elective oral health procedures, dental clinical settings and oral health professionals are recognized within the highest risk categories for both transmission and contraction of the coronavirus as most dental procedures release significant aerosols in the operatory atmosphere. Therefore, in concurrence with recommendations from the American Dental Association, Alaska Dental Association and Center for Disease Control, elective oral health care procedures are required to be postponed for at least a period of one month as of now. Again, that traveler's advisory, um, if you're in a, coming from a higher risk area, you are going to be quarantined, and self-quarantined for at least 14 days after you return. If you're from a medium risk area, you will need to keep your distance, talk to your employer, and avoid crowded places, use regular healthcare procedures that are being recommended for us. In the studio this morning is our mayor and the um, head of the local <coughs> Kodiak Senior Center, Mayor Pat Branson, thank you for coming in. My pleasure. Good morning, Mike. And Maggie's here, too. Maggie's here, too. Um, 
Pat, things have been changing really quickly um, in terms of senior care and senior services. You've been aware of the situation for probably a couple of months now and have made significant uh, changes to your operations. Can you let people know exactly when it started for you, um, how you coordinated with other people, and how you made decisions as to what you were going to do with our local senior population? You might have to remind me of all those those three questions. (laughs) I like the big one. (laughs) So um, I I just want to make this statement that the Senior Citizens of Kodiak, our formal name, or doing business as the Kodiak Senior Center and other programs as well, is not closed. We are not closed. We do have our doors locked, but we have transitioned to services to provide, to continue to provide services to the most vulnerable and those people who are 60 and older. Our uh, funding is from the Older Americans Act, federal money, and uh, most of our grant money anyway. And so our criteria for serving people is that age, 60 and older although we do serve people who are under 60 at our other programs. So right now I'll just go through the programs that we have and update people on what we're doing, if if that sounds okay. So Island Cove Adult Day Program, which is located in the lower level of our facility, suspended services last Saturday. We are the only adult day program in the state that is open seven days a week. So we talked about it last week. Uh, I guess that was a week ago, a week and a half ago or so, and decided with the highest risk participants that we have, and more than 10 uh, a day, that it was best to suspend services. We gave our caregivers and participants time so that they could arrange for being at home or in the care of someone else. Some of our participants at our adult day program Uh, our residents at uh, Sunrise Assisted Living, which is across the street in the Bayview Terrace building, which we do not own, by the way. So we, that's the first thing that we did. Okay, let me, let's start with some basics, though, for some people who aren't uh, familiar with senior care. Maybe talk about what we do. Yeah, well, how it's structured throughout the community. I mean, you're, we're talking about across the street in a facility we don't know, Island Care. Um, okay. There are, yeah. Okay. So the Senior Citizen of Kodiak is the formal name of uh, doing business at the Kodiak Senior Center. I'll talk with that. And what we do and then what else is available in the community for seniors. Um, seniors are usually defined, well, they're defined for us, and that's different for each organization, but for us, it's 60 and older, as I said, based on the Older Americans Act. So what we do is that our basic support service, we don't have residents, we don't have housing, but we assist people in getting that service, is that we provide congregate meals five days a week, home-delivered meals seven days a week. We have Island Cove Adult Day Program, which is a day service that people can come, and uh, in the morning we serve a breakfast, we have lunch that's provided uh, by the, our kitchen staff, and afternoon snacks and activities, then they go home in the afternoon. So it's for people who, um, and it's been around since 1998, 91. It's been around for a long time. And what triggered um, our writing a grant for Island Cove is that we had people in town who lived with family who had Alzheimer's and they had no place to go 
or be active. So Island Cove is for people of any age. Uh, we serve people under 60 there as well who might need, uh, uh, might be recovering from a stroke, might need socialization during the day or monitoring during the day, and then they go home in the afternoon. So we're open from 8 until 5 and from 9.30 to 3 on the weekends for Island Cove. So that service continues and um, is structured for people because people with Alzheimer's, any kind of dementia, need that structure. So we've had people come to Island Cove for a decade, <laughs> and it keeps people living independently and, um, and active. So we have that program. Um, the congregate meals, home-delivered meals, Island Cove, we have a family caregiver program, and that provides support for family caregivers who might be caregiving for anyone 60 and older, no matter where they might live. I've used the program to find services for my mother when she lived in Florida. Mm -hmm. So you can live anywhere. If you're caregiving, for someone 60 and older, um, we will help you find the services so that if you happen to go to Florida or wherever your senior lives, you can have that information with you when you get to that place. Okay. Also in Family Caregiver, and this is what's really grown this year, is that we have the Lifeline button. That people can have a button if they live alone, if they live with someone else. They can push the button if they fall, if they need help. That has grown tremendously and is really a protective measure. My mother had one when she fell twice, pushed the button. So do you assist people in getting the button? Yes. They come to our agency or call and yes. Okay. And then the button sends a message to the hospital or to a... Yeah, yeah to the uh, ambulance and, and or to the service that and, and then they check to make sure that they're okay. So okay. Um, the hospital did have the buttons a couple of years ago, we took it over. So it's we'd like to be a one-stop shop for, for seniors. And then we have um, a senior in-home program, and, and also there's respite through the family caregivers. So if you're uh, a caregiver and you need to go out and do something, of course, right now, we hope you're not doing that, <laughs> um, we can send a respite worker and to monitor and stay with your senior to make sure that person is uh, safe while you're out doing errands or whatever. And then we have the senior in-home program that we provide chore service, light housekeeping, to go in and help people with their home, apartment, so it's safe. Might pull some throw rugs out or, you know, light housekeeping. And um, that also has some case management along with it. So if you need to have help in making your appointments at the doctor and all of that, we can help you in that regard. Of course, we also have... Lori Murdoch, who is a trained Medicare counselor. She does a lot of work with Medicare, um, people signing up, Social Security, housing, benefits, all of that. Um, so we'd like to, that's what we do as an agency. We work with other agencies in town. Across from the Senior Center is Bayview Terrace, which was originally built to have just senior apartments. It is not owned by us. It is owned by a private enterprise, Brecken Enterprise. And so years ago, when I started my job, it was just completely senior apartments. It's not that anymore. It's a mixed population. And this is where our only assisted living is in this community, is in the lower floors of Bayview um, Terrace. It's called Sunrise Assisted Living. So people have 24-hour monitoring, and um, they have a community room. They have their own apartment. 
and um, they have aides there to assist people when they need it. So we do have participants at Island Cove who come across the street from the assisted living and participate at Island Cove during the day, and then they're at home in the safe environment at assisted living where aides monitor them. So it's a good plan. So for, for seniors that need um, constant care or an, another residence away from the home, then they're not they're then going into one of the other facilities on the island. Right. So then, and I'll get to that 24-7 medical care because that's at our um, wonderful Chiniac Bay Elder House. So then Kodiak Island Housing Authority has um, two senior uh, places or apartments. So they have one on Near Island, Emerald Heights, and that's for 55 and older. And then they have one right around here, which is called Heritage Heights. And uh, so that's the specific senior housing that we have in the community. And then we have the, the long-term care, which means you need 24-7 medical care. And that's our long-term care facility up by the hospital, co-located, called the Chiniac Bay uh, Elder House. So for Kodiak and the size of population that we have as a whole and with the number of seniors, we have a very good collaborative effort for seniors to remain here. In fact, we've seen the number grow, um, increase a lot of people choosing to remain in Kodiak after they retire. 20 years ago, they took their retirement and left their cola here and <laughs> went to the lower 48. We don't see that so much anymore. Sure. People are remaining here and why not? We have a beautiful place. It's a sense of community. Why would you want to go and establish new friends, new medical care, when you have it here? I think that sense of community and support, um, which is outside of agencies as well, is really most important for uh, living longer and independently. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that explains that, that basic that information. Us, that gives us a good idea of, of what's available. and. Uh, you all were collaboratively dur during this crisis. Was there collaboration between all of the other agencies and the other individuals in town to make a plan? We do. I think that everyone, um, you know, if you're in a clinic, uh, CANA, the hospital, in their discharge, we participate in discharge meetings when people are seniors are discharged from the hospital. It works very well that I think everyone has as their priority the care of that person. So that's what we're all working to do, and that's why this is a great community in which to age. Well, so not just now with the crisis. This has been going on. Yeah. And, we, and there, is a network, um, the, there is a network that's been meeting for quite some time called the Human— um, I hope I get this right. All of a sudden it went a blank— but it's with the different social service providers uh, that meet quarterly to exchange information. So, but we, we talk all the time. That's local? That's that, local, okay. yeah. Mm -hmm. But you also work at a state, le state level and a national level, right? I do. So I, uh, I'm on AgeNet, which is the Alaska Geriatric Exchange Network. It's kind of a weird name, but it's been around a long time. And it is the group of senior service providers in the state. So I've been president of that group. I'm on the board of that group. We meet uh, monthly to exchange information and do advocacy work uh, for people who are 60 and over in the state. 
I also serve on uh, the National Institute of Senior Center uh, Executive Committee, and that's part of the National Council on Aging, and have been on that group for, I don't know, 15 years or more. And yesterday we had a national webinar with about 150 senior centers across the country on what uh, senior centers are doing during this crisis. So I was one of the panelists and um, because I'm on the board. And we had people from Baltimore County, um, Indiana, myself, uh, Philadelphia, talking about what we were doing uh, if services were closed. Most of the senior centers in the lower 48, as I was mentioning earlier to you, Mike, are municipally under the municipal government and part of the parks and rec department usually. So if the county was closing down everything, they would be closed. We're a, our senior center here, Senior Centers of Kodiak, is a private nonprofit. So though we get city and borough support, we're the ones that make that decision what to do. So yes, I'm involved locally and, 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 and you know, that's really valuable, I think, to bring back information and to have that exchange because you learn what other agencies are doing to bring back uh, and benefit the people who live here. Well, it's interesting because when did, when did your alert radar first go, on, go, go up in relation to the virus and knowing that your agency needed to do something proactive to make some changes? Well, it was before the virus hit Alaska, certainly, and I think before the mandates were coming from the state. We were discussing that. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I think that even on our staff, some people thought we were reacting a little bit much, but we went ahead with it anyway, and actually we were being proactive. I was on a teleconference uh, just this week with... Um, Kenai were part of their in, in doing teleconferences with the state uh, grant program manager, and there was a Kenai senior center director who thought everybody was overreacting. I think we've heard that locally and nationwide as well. Um, it's not a it's not a beer virus, and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> my take is and and talking with staff and certainly with our board is it's best to be proactive rather than reactive and try and scramble. So this senior center director this week, two days ago, thought it was everybody was overreacting and wasn't doing much in the Kenai Peninsula to protect his participants. But you're at the, I mean, the, tar the target is your clients. Right. Right. Uh, so do you have- But it's the community as a whole as well because everybody interacts. Right. So. Structurally, as the executive director, do you have the sole power to dictate what what happens policy-wise at your facility? Well, we have a board of directors who set the policy. Okay. So administratively, um, before we locked the doors and suspended services, I talked with staff. I think it's real important to um, you have to you have to have that give and take and that dialogue to see what people think. The staff are working there. Our Island Cove staff are on leave now. They can take leave, sick leave or vacation leave. We've gone over that with them. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not a dictator, although some people think I am. <laughs> 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 uh, 
I need that. I need that reflection, and you need that confirmation from people, especially in this kind of situation where you have we have seniors that come every day for lunch. This is a big deal for them right. not to be able to congregate. It's a very big deal. It's a very big deal not to have Island Cove open for participants as well as caregivers. So we have to have a dialogue, and then. Of course, I sent out information via email to the board as well to get their take on it, and everyone was very supportive. They certainly understand. So they set the policy, but this is an internal administrative decision with other people uh, giving their viewpoint, certainly, and, and that's what you have to have in order to make a decision that affects so many people. You have to have a response. But the seniors have been very supportive. In fact, um, you know, transitioning services, I don't think we've talked about that quite yet, uh, but the uh, drive-up meals that we have, uh, people are enjoying. It's kind of fun. We've had new people show up, and then, and people that show up every day now that it's just a drive-through. So drive-up or drive-through or grab-and-go, or I think that's what the school district is. <laughs> <laughs> but so, we can talk about the transition of service as well. Okay. So, yeah, what it, what is different? What are you? Right. What are the new so, things that you're doing? I talked about Island Cove. We have suspended service at Island Cove, but we are taking meals to people who need them. And our director, Jonathan uh, Strong of the Adult Day uh, Director, is checking in with every uh, with our participants to make sure everybody's doing fine. Okay. That's good. That's. That was, that was my question. What happens to the people who are displaced? Well, you know, from you know, phones come in handy right now. No. <laughs> Not everybody has emails, and that's what I said on the national webinar yesterday. Is like, I guess we've come full circle. We're using phones, so <laughs> <laughs> and so whether it's landline or or cell phone. So we're not having congregate meals. We are having. Uh, drive-through, where people come, <laughs> or drive-up. Drive-through has some kind of connotation or something, doesn't it? I Dillinger days. Yeah. yeah, something like it was Chicago though. <laughs> <laughs> so people come and drive up at our back door because our doors are locked between twelve and one. You had one of your staff drive up the I, other day. <laughs> she was proud of it too. <laughs> she checked in with me to make sure she qualified. So if you're sixty and over. You can come, and we will grab the meal, give it to you, take your donation, and come back into the building. <laughs> so um, so that's what we're doing. We're also, and that's between 12 and 1, Monday through Friday. If people need weekend meals, we can give them meals on Friday for the weekend as well. Our home-delivered meals have increased dramatically. So um, right now, this week, we have increased our home-delivered meals by 18 new people. It's a lot. When we were doing almost 30 before. So that is a meal that goes out uh, Monday through Friday. We also have weekend meals that can go out on, we'll be doing weekend meals today. So it's a busy day for us. So we're doing meals for those who want it on the weekends. We're doing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Next weekend, is it next weekend that it's um, Seward's Day? We'll be covering the holiday as well. We'll be doing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So people need to be patient when they get their meal because it's a long list and it's increasing, and we're happy to do that. Um, so you just need to call us, 486-6181. We will do a quick assessment with you. And actually, you know, this uh, isolation of people have made 
these home-delivered meals increase dramatically, and we have new people, as I said, on them, just 18 this week. So it's, it's kind of an outreach, if you will, in making sure people are getting what they need. So that's transitioned. Um, we are the lead agency for the public transportation system in town, Kodiak Area Transit System. We have been since 2000. It's the only handicap accessible transportation in our community. It's most important. And um, so we contract with First Student, who is the transportation expert in town, for that service and for dispatch and operations. So we have limited CATs to only going to work and to uh, medical appointments and to get to what now Safeway has, the senior two hours on Tuesday and Thursday from 7 to 9 to get them there and back to shop. We're still trying to find out about Walmart, but I, I don't have a text yet about that. So we're limiting the number of people on the bus and only for those services. We're, um, CATS is um, Monday through Friday and uh, also on the weekend from 10 to 3. We are not taking people to church. That was stopped. It's like, why would the transportation system take you to a place where you don't need to congregate? Yeah. So... If you need to contact your pastor or priest for whatever, do that. We're not taking you to a congregate setting. So I think, and, you know, we're still doing all kinds of information on the phone. We encourage people to do that. We are calling people to make sure they're okay. People that we have regularly seen um, at congregate meals, um, some of them have been coming to the drive up or drive through or grab and go, and some have not. So if we don't see them, we call them. I think what's really important because, as I stated, people would come come every day for congregate meals. That is a socialized entertainment piece for people who do that. And so now seniors are isolated from that. So we're calling them, but I would encourage the community to make those calls to people that they know as well. Um, I was talking to Pam Foreman and and with her dad's situation, my mother's situation, being in there, isolated in their apartment. So those phone calls every day, even my mother has said that, that makes a difference to them. So if you know a senior in town, they are isolated and they should be staying at home, give them a call to check in to see how they're doing or just to talk to them a little bit. We are doing our April newsletter right now, and Lori Murdoch heads that up, and she's put in little games, crossword puzzles, brain teasers, and trivia questions to keep people engaged a bit. So though we're not having exercise or congregating, we make phone calls, and um, that's most important. And speaking of phone calls, this is this is really sad situation, but scammers are out there and they're taking advantage of this situation. My husband reminded me of this this morning is that we need to make sure that seniors aren't being taken advantage of on the phone or on their computer during this crisis situation. Right. So we're getting that message out as well. If you're calling people just to make sure they don't give out their bank number, their social security number to buy a mask or to get a vaccine for the virus, we don't, um, we don't want that to happen as well, and we're promoting that as well in our newsletter as well as talking to people. Pat, how are you dealing with capacity, staff capacity? So Island Cove staff are on leave. They will be leave. They, they will be paid. 
and um, we don't know when we're going to open again, but we'll deal with that. Uh, and, and Jonathan comes in every day, our adult day director, to check on people and to deliver home delivered meals. Um, the other staff we have are very basic. It's kitchen staff. We only have three people. Um, and Lori and I are there. And um, Barbara, Barbara Shepard, our family caregiver, is there as well, family caregiver coordinator. So we have basic, basic staff. And, of course, if they're sick, I mean, they don't need to come in. I can do dishes. I can't cook. I, that, I, I don't cook. <laughs> Everyone on staff knows that. But <laughs> I can do dishes. I can do everything else, but I can't do that. If you see an increase, a, a big increase, like you're already seeing in meals, though, do you have th are three cooks going to be able to handle it for a while? Oh, we can handle 100 people. You can't. They're incredible. They are incredible. And so you don't have to call in to do your drive-up meal. You don't have to call in for your home-delivered meal by 1030 in the morning. If you need to be assessed and need a home-delivered meal, you have to call in by 1030 that day. We what? can't just do that on the fly. But every day that we have had congregate meals, home-delivered meals is set. Congregate meals, we never know how many people are coming. We go by the menu and uh, today we're having halibut Olympia. We expect people to, to be there. So Tuesday was St. Patty's Day, and we had corned beef. We expected more. And so we do that on a normal day. We don't have people call in and reserve like they do a lot in a lot of senior centers because it wouldn't happen anyway. People <laughs> well, they would just come. Yeah. <laughs> so we do the best we can, but it's based on what we're serving that day. And so this is the first week that we're transitioning services, so we're getting a feel of how many people are coming to do the grab-and-go. We, we know how many home-delivered meals there are. So we've gotten new people to come to do the grab-and-go and the home, uh, the, the backdoor drive-through. So it's interesting. So we're doing about 20 a day right now. Um, we did more on St. Patty's Day, but today we expect more. So it's just a matter of, you know, being there, looking at the trends and understanding. Like last year for our St. Patty's Day, we had almost 80 people show up at the congregate setting. So we're used to that. Everybody's Irish. And the, and the kitchen staff, they're just great. You know, we have soup, we have salad. In the congregate setting, we have a huge salad bar and a fresh soup every day, bread, entree. I mean, it's a real deal for $7 donation. Right. We can't charge because the Older Americans Act say, you can't charge, but the cost per meal is like 25 bucks a meal. And so that's our dilemma. How do we make up between the difference? Uh, we seek other funds. Yeah. <laughs> a listener wanted to know, do you need volunteers to help you in any way, help deliver meals? If they want to get involved and be a volunteer with you now, how can they get involved? Well, right now, and, and I've had several people um, do that outreach to me. Uh, via via email, and I we greatly appreciate that. Right now, we're fine, but I have a list of people who have volunteered to assist with that. Um, we at, if people are doing home delivered meals because they're having contact with the the senior, we just have to be very careful. But you're interested in volunteering, just call us, and we'll take down your name. There is a process for which we need to establish with you if you want to volunteer. But we're welcome. We welcome that. We don't know how long this is going to go on. We don't know if staff are going to get sick. We, 
no one knows. And so if you'd like to volunteer, just give us a call. We'll take down your name and number, and we'll know how to get a hold of you. But I have had people um, already contact us about that, and it's greatly appreciated because, you know, Kodiak, and this is what I really like about living here, is that sense of community and people taking care of one another. So, and, you know, it's a matter of taking care of your neighbor as well and checking in to make sure whether they're 60 or under, um, doesn't matter to, to check on them. So just a brief question on home-delivered meals. You, you mentioned an assessment. Does the assessment um, relate to qualification, uh, mental medical condition of the person? They're uh, very simple questions. And we have to collect that because of our grant and because the feds are dictating that to the state who dictated to us. It's very simple questions about their nutritional score, you know, if they're uh, income level, they don't have to answer it, but we, we, the state and the feds like that information. Um, so it's very simple. We can do an assessment in five minutes. We can do, we do it over the phone. We don't have to do it in person. Very simple. So would there any be any reason somebody would get rejected if somebody called and said, I need a home-delivered meal and I'm 60 years old? Um, there might be. <laughs> oh, okay. But we just need to talk to them to find out. You know, it, and if it, this is a different kind of situation. So we're taking that into account. So it's, if, <laughs> I have to tell you this story, <laughs> is that this is several years, several years ago. I've been in this job for a long time. Uh, but we had a person who received home-delivered meals and which was fine and she called up and said i'd like 30 home delivered meals today <laughs> and i went uh what she goes well i'm having a luncheon and <laughs> so we won't do that <laughs> but we will ask you a few questions <laughs> i know i've got lots of stories but that's a prime one that's a good one <laughs> But anyway. if, you're, if you're having a luncheon, we're not, go to the local business because they need your support and do takeout. That's what you need to do. Hey, we'd like to have a Olympia today. What do you think? Hey, we're both old enough. Well, you guys can do a little drive-through, so. Maybe. And, and we'll do we, a news story drive-through. Yeah, we, we, are, we are doing, like we did have um, a um, husband come and say, can I take one for a drive-through meal for my wife who's not with me? And we say, sure, you can do that. It's fine. So if you want to come down and get lunch for your 60-year-old staff and come down and take it back, that's fine, too. If there's a need, we're going to try and meet it. Great. Supplies. How are you ensuring that you've, you know, you've got enough? Have you seen disruptions? You know, um, we're, we're, food we're in particular. Yeah, um, no. Food is fine. There's no food shortage in Kodiak. You probably heard that from Chief Mulligan and our city manager on Wednesday. Um and Matson and uh, the other barge services are assuring us we get those. We we do order our food from Food Service, which is of America. Or they're United Foods now, so there's no shortage. And um, so this is one thing. You know, when you are involved in different things in the community, it, it's uh, it's great to be a problem solver and and for lots of people who do that. So um, so we have a staff person who also works at Henry's at night. Well, Henry's is closed now, but they had all this food, this produce. So this staff person came to me and said, hey, do, do you think we need that here? And I said, no, but call the school. 
because they're doing all these grab-and-go meals for all these kids. They can probably do it. And so Larry Ledoux has been, our superintendent has been putting out these notices every day, which are very informative. If you don't get it, they're very informative. And he put that in his notice yesterday that they bought the food from Henry's to use for their food. And so both agencies benefited business and school districts. So, you know, that cross-communication and collaboration, especially at this time, is most important. So our foods, we're good on food. And, um, yeah, so, you know, we'll see how it goes. But for right now, we're, we're good. And um, we're able to get medicine for people or if they need help shopping or anything like that, we can certainly do that as well. Or mm-hmm. use volunteers for that. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the scam issue because I've I've seen just an amazing proliferation of, of in, incoming emails that are scam-related or related to, you know, taking advantage of this situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, is there – your messaging goes out through your newsletter, I know, but is there other ways to communicate to the seniors? Well, um we're just reminding them when we call them as well, when we see them. Hopefully some of them are listening to the show, or Maggie will put it on the news as well, is that. And I think that needs to be important message from our emergency service uh, council as well, is that it's not just seniors that are being targeted. Everyone's being targeted. I had an email today about buying masks. You know, it's like, no, I'm not clicking here. Yeah. So I think that's an important message to uh, put forth, and maybe with the school district as well, with kids being at home, who knows – how many items they're buying from Amazon? I mean, that's not a scam, but but just to be aware of the use of the computer and phone calls, and uh, so that's real important, I think, for everybody. And and I'll bring that up with. Um, it, it, I think this is more for the emergency operations uh, council, but I'll I'll bring that up. So we just need to be careful. I mean, we we remind seniors of that all the time, and it's you know it's easy to when you're isolated that some someone's talking to you and maybe they're they've got your name and hey or they don't or sound friendly and and they're not <laughs> they're just not so you have a you probably have a database of the seniors in the community but it's not everybody right well we pretty much target everyone in some way or another. I mean, even the seniors in the outlying communities we have on our database. So there are over 2,100 people on Kodiak Island, uh, over 60. Really? Yeah. 2,100. That's a quarter. Uh, and the census. You know, we need, you need to talk census. about the census. Well, there were questions about the census the other day. Well, you can do the census online. Everyone should. Anyway, so that's growing all the time. And so that's the latest number that we have from the Commission on Aging state plan because funds are delivered or, or given based on population and if you're minority or 80 and older. Then I think, I can't remember, I have a friend who um, was kidding me about this so we have 21 over 2100 people who are 60 and over then i think there were like 200 over 200 people or 180 or 200 i can't remember the number i'm sure this person will tell me as soon as i get off the air who are 80 (laughs) and older and he goes boy that's a big discrepancy here but when i we have this big saint valentine's day party where we honor people 80 and older when i first started in this position we had 
you know, maybe a eight foot table of seniors, eighty and older. Now we have the whole room full of really, people. yeah, eighty and older. It's a huge number. My husband's almost eighty. You Ooh. know, it's like uh, he looks fifty five though. That yeah, guy. and I look forty then. <laughs> 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 so um, eighty is you know the new fifty or fifty five. So um, I don't know how I got to talking about that, but it, it we service people in the outlying communities as well. So we have a contract with Canna, and we've had that for more than fifteen years to provide. We give them Title Three grant money for meals to provide meals in the villages home-delivered and congregate meals. Um, we've, and so we do information to them. Um, they call us regularly. So it's, it's not just within the city limits. I got you. Yeah. So how can we help older Americans? How can we help the older people in our community? I think um, that social isolation, isolation, isolation yeah. <laughs> is really most important at this time because people are used to um, having friends come over, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. You could probably do that with a distance. You wash your hands or sanitize going in and out. But I think that's most important at this time, to call them, chat with them, make sure they're okay. Um, uh, I think we've got, and, and not to say that we are the wherewithal of everything, but it's... Um, we're providing the services, and we will meet the services, and we will transition to services as needed. And um, other other agencies are doing the same thing as we've read in the paper and, and getting notices. So I think that's the biggest thing right now is checking in with people. Um, you know, you're doing the show is great. I know the newspaper did an article about that as well. Um, and to be consistent in that, um, you know, just call a person once a day to make sure they're okay. If you call after lunch, they might be napping. So you, <laughs> you need to get the rhythm of the day. Don't call before nine <laughs> or, or after one when people might be taking a little siesta, but you know, around 11 or so, just to make sure they're okay. If there's anything they need. Um, I think that, and the, when the, what I was getting from um, a senior friend of mine last evening was that Safeway was pretty overwhelmed with these new shopping hours <laughs> for Were seniors. Were they really? I didn't, yeah. I, I didn't hear the result. Well, I was there yesterday, and just to check and see, it's like, it's like, wow, these are people that we serve. They're all there at Safeway between 7 and 9. And um, and so I know, I, I think that Mike Murray was saying the other day that they needed to hire people and um, because – they might need to have more people on board when checkout between 7 and 9 on Tuesday and Thursday, but they're doing a great service. Mike Murray is one of the hardest working people I, I think on the island or I know. <laughs> he is always there. He's responsive, and um, it's great that they set up those hours. Yeah, I saw lots of seniors there shopping. Doesn't that put us into a conflict, though? I mean, if you're, if you're I mean, the basic... <clears throat> The basic message I think that they're, they're we're tending to send out to seniors is you are uh, the biggest target for this if you get this. So um, I, isolate yourself as much as possible, but now we're putting them all together in one place. Well, there's they were pretty far apart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different kind of congregating. But, but yeah. the, I think the message that needs to go out there is to the younger people is that you, you need to go in between 7 and 9. Maybe maybe you shouldn't go in there or 
couldn't go in there. I don't like to use the word should, but you know, if you can go in at six or I think that's what time they open or after nine, that might be better. But the seniors were even in their scooters and carts, they were pretty far apart. They weren't ganging up and talking to one another. And I think that's the reminder we need to, to make. I guess it's staying that distance when you're checking out as well. So that's the messaging we need to send out to the senior population is, look, it, it, you can still go outside. You can still go places, but practice safe behavior. Yeah, the governor's got the mandate, you know, and we're following in in local government. And um, so I don't think I've ever washed. I wash my hands a lot anyway because of where I work, but I don't think I've ever washed my hands as often as I do now. I mean, that's basic. Yeah. And um, so, and, and keeping your distance, so that it, it, it's social distancing. That are we, we're more than three feet apart right here, right now, aren't we? Yeah. Okay. Do you have little lines for people to sit or? <laughs> we might do it after this show. <laughs> <laughs> you know how the, the late night talk show people come out and they stand right there for the camera. You might have one right here and back up and you can move the microphone a bit. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm tr trying to do tricks, you know, so that I don't touch my face. That's the hardest part. It seems like our president's <coughs> having a hard time with that as well. So, um, that is a hard thing to do. It is. Yeah. Dr. So don't touch your face. Dr. Jones wash was your in hands, here yesterday. Keep your right. distance, social distancing. So why local government's going to be tele teleconferencing in meetings, which is smart. The borough building's going to be closed. That's smart to do. It's just, it's just what we're doing. And you know what? This is giving us time to sit home and um, ponder other things. You can Pick up a book. I, I finished a book that I had started some time ago, hadn't been able to finish. It was a great book called The Library, a wonderful book. But aren't you still working 20 hours a day? Yeah, but I <laughs> <laughs> but I, I always find time to read at I, night, uh, every night, because that's your, you know, that's your downtime. So, I mean, even if I read a chapter, at least I'm reading. I do a crossword puzzle every night I come home. That's a de-stress. Even if I have a meeting, I come home and I'll do a crossword puzzle before going to the meeting. You know, go over my homework and then do that. So we have to find some, find things that you like that you can do within the confines of your home or, you know, music, music. Look at this room here. Music is a great thing to help people. Well, it, it's, it's great to watch what's happening on the internet right now with people trying to reach out to other people with these activities that you can participate in when you're when you're isolated. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so the exercise shows, the Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma. What a hero. Yeah. Hero of mine. I've got my cello sitting up in my bedroom. But do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. It's unpassed. Um, I haven't played it yet, though. But, you know, those things that you like to do. So I, it was, I, I saw this somewhere, and I can't tell you where. It was like, you know, flatten the curve and fatten yourself. <laughs> Everybody's eating comfort foods. <laughs> 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 it was something to that degree, and, you know, the gyms are closed, and we're not doing spin class. But you can go out and walk and get some fresh air. It's supposed to be really nice this weekend. And um, You really miss that socialization part, though, you know? The, I know. The, yeah. Well, it gives you time to, to think about other things, and um, whatever they might be. Whatever they might it be. May, people are staying home and doing home projects. Care facilities seem to take a big hit through the United States. Those seem to be the places where we were first seeing numbers of deaths happen. Right. So, um, Kirkland, Washington. 
Yeah. So um, now I was going to say something and I forgot what it was. Oh, I know what it was. So this is the other thing. Um, I'm on the Four Acre Group board, and so they're sending out information because nonprofits are going to be, I mean, governments are going to be hit. I mean, look at, this is a perfect storm for our state right now. Price of oil being what it is, the legislature not having any kind of fiscal plan. It's a mess. But nonprofits, we are going to be hit, and it doesn't matter if you're in the healthcare field or support senior services, nonprofits are going to be hit, and we need to come together and um, I know the Four Acre Group is supporting nonprofits and what they might be able to. The other thing is that's been on my mind, just as a community member outside of senior services, is that we have people who are not going to be working. And, and people who, you know, we keep hearing and reading about these, pay, or these checks that are coming from the government. Um, but we need to make sure that people who live paycheck to paycheck and work on minimum wage are taken care of in this community. It's a really big deal. So, you know, you might be able to work for a while, and if we get these checks from the feds, you might want to donate it to the food bank or the Red Cross or some group that that can help individuals. And so I know at the Emergency Service Council we've been talking about this as well. And... Um, how it's going to hit individuals. And it's a big concern for me. So outside of the seniors, it's a community concern. Maybe, maybe we ought to think about a, some sort of a collective group that could get together and try and think of those things. I think we need to. You know, and I thought about the Kodiak Community Foundation, but then you're under the auspices of the Alaska, Alaska community. So I think we need to do informally a group like this in our community. I know that there are pastors in town who are thinking about this collectively, and, and maybe we just need to have some representation from different groups, and I might do some outreach with them that we can we can top, uh, tap that. We have a great ethnic diversity in this community, and we need to have the ability to tap those different ethnic groups that we can assist people. It's a real concern. Well, we're, we're still trying to figure out how to how to do this for those populations so that it, the non-English speaking members of the community are always a big concern to me on whether we're messaging them enough. It, it is a concern. And so um, Larry Ledoux, I know, has translators. They've been very helpful in uh, translating the information coming from the press releases from the Emergency Service Council. You might talk to Larry and see who he has. You know, there's the Phil Am group. The Nancy Castro was a person given to me for the Spanish group. But um, there are different representatives that we can contact to do the outreach for those particular groups for translation, though, and getting the message out over the airwaves. Um, I know Larry has translators, so that's good because we do have that. I mean, that's what's great do, about this uh, town. We're going to go a little bit long here. Um, oh, the, I thought we were worried that we weren't going to fill up. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it's you and I. <laughs> um, the, the composition of the senior population, it, it, or do we have a large population of seniors who are Spanish and Filipino? Yes, we do. In fact... Um, just uh, telling you in a general fashion of our ethnicity, 
uh, with our participants at Island Cove, probably two-thirds of our participants are from the Filipino community. We have staff that represent that same uh, number. Um, we have Spanish-speaking staff. We have uh, Tagalog-speaking staff, um, and that's most important. Um, we do have some Spanish, but the, you know, the, the Filipino community, uh, the population in our community is like 27%. It's really high. And so you need to have that representation where you work, especially communicating with people, that there are people who can do that readily. Um, the Spanish people, I think the Spanish is about 8%. Native Alaskans, about 17 This is from my latest grant writing exposure to the percentages. They certainly may have changed a bit, but that's what we we see, and I, I, it's important that we have the people that can communicate. So, yes, we we, der, we, we serve a number of um, people from the different ethnic groups in our community. Okay, I think that's we'll, we'll be back with more next week, of course. Um, call a senior, I guess, is the... 486-6181, and we're there from 8 till 5, Monday through Friday, um, I'm there on weekends as well, writing grants right now. Um, sometimes I'll answer the phone, but sometimes I don't hear it very well either if I'm engrossed in yeah. playing rock and roll while I'm writing <laughs> grants. You, that number for for uh, services and for information, just on a general basis, though, I, what I got out of this is we need to contact our seniors and keep them in the loop to keep them from being in an isolated hole. I can't tell you how important phone calls are to people. They're so important, and it makes a big difference. Uh, when my mother lived alone, I called her twice a day. So did my siblings. She looked forward to those calls. It makes their day better. Yeah. So um, I would encourage people to do that. You And um, you know who you know, lives next door to you, you know, seniors that you've had um, been in social contact with at different events. So check on them. And if you need us to check on them, we're happy to do that as well. We're doing that on a regular basis. Uh, we have those phone numbers. So part of a database. Thanks for taking the time to come in, Pat. We yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for it. this. And I appreciate what you're doing every day and giving our community the information they need to have. Thanks so much.